Let's pray together. We thank you, God, that we have the hope of resurrection oozing through our bodies, souls and spirits. And we thank you, Lord, that we are one with you and with each other through your spirit. Now teach us, Lord, through your word, by the power of your presence, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> he does wonderful things. He does wonderful things. I think, I suppose if there's nothing else to remember from today, it might be as much just to go with that thought that God does wonderful things, moment by moment, day by day, year by year, always wonderful things. Now in the words of my namesake, William Cooper, spelled the right way, <laughs> he says this, as we sang earlier, God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm, deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill. He treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. God moves in mysterious ways. One of the certain things about the book of Esther is how the hidden hand of God, moving in mysterious ways, is there in all things for those with eyes to see. As Diane Tidball puts it in the commentary on Esther, his silent hand is moving in ways that we might not recognise until eternity. His silent hand is moving in ways that we might not recognise until eternity. Isn't that so true? That we might not understand things fully or see things until they're illuminated by the light of eternity. We might not recognise that it was God until we see God as God truly is. So, we need to hold things lightly because we don't see the big picture until eternity comes. And even before then, it's often not until long after an event that we can look back and see that God was there all along. That seems to be the story of so many people who come to faith and look back, especially people who come to faith in older life, and they'll look back and they'll recognise, well actually there were moments when God was there. God clearly was moving in a way that they didn't recognise at the time. And finally accepting that we are loved, we see that God was there all the time. Well today we arrive at the conclusion of the story of Esther. Following weeks of the story building, we've seen the downfall of Queen Vashti, the rise of Queen Esther, the plot of Haman to destroy the Jewish people, and Esther's plan to win the king's favour and free her people. No doubt Esther looked back and saw the hand of God in these times. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. Last week in the story we saw the tension build as Esther lay the groundwork in her plan to save her people. An event which is still celebrated by Jews today in the festival of, festival of Purim, an important date in the calendar. 
Today, today we see not only Esther confront the king asking for the freedom and protection of the Jewish people, but also we see her accusing Haman and bringing to light his actions and ultimately toppling him. There's an interesting, even confusing verse that leaves us asking questions about the motives and tactics of Esther in this saga. Her justification for asking for the freedom of her people is that anything else would harm the king. She says, if we had merely been sold as slaves, men and women, I would have held my peace. But no enemy can compensate for this damage to the king. It seems a bit trite to say it would have been okay had we been sold into slavery. But actually what the problem is here is that the king's property is under threat. It, the statement is a recognition of the plight of her people and of the power she has within the system. Rather than argue against their enslavement, rather than speak of oppression, she appeals to something the king understands and cares about, his property. In almost a return to where, she's, where we started, with Queen Vashti being an attractive object possessed by the king and paraded in front of those uh, highways, Esther understands that the king would not tolerate the, the destruction of what he regards as his property. The Jewish people he saw as his property, and his queen he saw as his property. Esther uses this political state to achieve her aims. This may not result in the Jewish people's absolute liberation straight away, but it does at least avoid their destruction in the meantime. In essence, Esther's not allowing the perfect to be the enemy of good. She takes what she can. We should nevertheless not forget that this remains a story of oppression and political and sexual violence as well as enslavement. It's a story that prevails in the midst of a very much imperfect, unjust world on its way to redemption. A lot has been made of God not being mentioned in the book of Esther. The conclusion we read today appears to be brought by, by the actions of Esther, not God. It's a book that speaks of the lives of God's people. It's a book that offers space for readers and hearers to seek God in the reality of daily life and in the, and in the difficulties of human experience, even though God won't be obvious to find in the book. In this final week of our short series, looking at Esther's story, we see the Jewish people overcoming their oppressors, taking control, even taking up arms against them. We see the excessive self-pride of Haman, resulting in him being hung on his own gallows, or impaled on his own pole. It's a book that reminds us that the story of God's people throughout history and up to the present day is not a simple one. It's not one without nuance. It is instead a story of real people living real lives, often under real oppression and violence. So this is an opportunity for us to reflect on the stories that we tell and why, as well as the stories that we do not tell and why. It's a chance for the church to recognise the light of God in the people who are ignored and maligned, to speak to the oppressed and the marginalised, and look for ways in which we can seek to give voice to the whole variety of God's people, not only those with power or who hold 
the majority opinion. Mordecai sums up the story by telling us that these were days when the Jews gained relief from their enemies, at a time that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holy day that they should make these days days of feasting and gladness, days for sending gifts of food to one another and presents to the poor. When Jesus on a Sabbath heals the woman crippled by an evil spirit, the crowd are astounded by the wonderful things he was doing. Looking back on all that we've seen so far, can we too say, see that God has done wonderful things in us, for us and around us? And might we describe them as days of sorrow becoming days of gladness and days of mourning becoming holy days? Because that's what the Spirit of God aims at in our lives. Jesus calls us in the power of the Spirit to be ministers of a reconciliation. We are called to be people who live towards and for days where we will see sorrow turn to gladness and mourning into holy days. And like God's people rejoicing in their deliverance from destruction, it's right to celebrate even small steps towards freedom and reconciliation and to share the good gifts that result with one another and especially with those in need. Because as ministers of reconciliation, we hold to the conviction that in the end with God all will be well and all will see that, yes, God does do wonderful things and life is full of beauty and grace and love. As we'll sing in a moment, through the love of God, our Saviour, all will be well. Though we pass through tribulation, all will be well. We expect a bright tomorrow, all will be well. The Deliverer has come to free God's people from all that harms them, to lift up those bent low, to straighten crooked backs, to reinterpret the Sabbath as the everyday opportunities for the Kingdom of God to be seen, to enable wonderful things to happen through the faith of everyday people. So keep on keeping on. Know that as you look back, God has been there all along, doing wonderful things that in the end will be clearly seen as moments of grace in a world on its way to freedom. May we live and breathe such faith in every moment we have. And may we see our communities transformed as a result, day by day. In Jesus' name, Amen. So let's sing, through the love of God our Saviour, all will be God.